Travis Wingfield. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphin, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami! What's up, Dolphins, and welcome in to the Friday, June the 29th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we send you guys into the weekend with the rules for being a Dolphins fan in 2018, and we talk about what we can learn and apply from the Patriots defense last year. Plus, the key for that change, Mika Fitzpatrick was on NFL Total Access on Thursday. We'll tell you what he said, and Futility Friday makes its second appearance on the podcast. But first, as always, I kindly invite you guys to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast from. Once you've done that, give us a review on iTunes. Give us a rating there as well. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins and check out LockedOnDolphins.com, the best blog in the Locked On Network. And of course, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. But enough of that. Let's go ahead and get you into your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. That's another Miami Dolphins So if you guys haven't checked out the piece on LockedOnDolphins.com that I just published on Thursday talking about the 10 rules required to be a Miami Dolphins fan in 2018, it's a satirical piece kind of just poking fun at some of the things we've endured over the last couple of decades and just the futility of the franchise as a whole or mediocrity, I suppose, is probably a better way to put it. But I put it up there if you guys haven't seen it yet, LockedOnDolphins.com got a lot of positive feedback today as well as some of your notes on what you would have added to to the list And I'm going to go over some of those suggestions for you guys right here from Twitter. The first one was one that I can't believe I omitted this from the list, to be perfectly honest. I think maybe it means I'm over it, but I was talking about Nick Saban. How did I not put Nick Saban in there? And this came from ML at Lobosman36. I don't know how I neglected to put that in the list. He should be really one of the top ones. And just your general disdain, general loathing of Nick Saban and the little man that he is for bailing on the Dolphins after the twenty or 2006 season, I should say. So that was the first one that came up that really kind of stuck in my craw. The next one was, I suppose, something that I firmly believe. I don't know if Dolphins Nation believes it as a whole. It's Tyler Watson at the Tyler Watson says that Ricky Williams would have been the best running back ever if the league was... Pro weed. Okay, I thought that said powered for a second. Yeah, maybe. I I think he was super talented, insanely gifted running back. Could do both power and speed as well as catch the football and run the ball. Number 12, he said the next one was that's fins up with a P, not with an F. I agree with that one too. So a couple of good notes there from Tyler. And just a couple of other general collective thoughts. was talking about the no-name defense, I think was one that I saw. Another one was talking about Hall of Fame snubs like Zach Thomas and Manny Fernandez. And then a couple of guys debating with me on the logo thing, which I don't care to get into too much. But I do actually prefer the new logo to the old one. I didn't care for the helmet on the Dolphin whatsoever. So that was a fun exercise, a fun read if you guys haven't checked it out yet. LockedOnDolphins.com, 10 rules for being a Dolphins fan. But the other topic I wanted to get into was talking about Mika Fitzpatrick, which somebody on Twitter, and I'm forgetting your name, so I do apologize for that, 
alerted me to the fact that Minka Fitzpatrick went on NFL Total Access. And of course, this comes a day after I talked crap about the network and how I never watched Total Access anymore. Used to love the show. The training camp updates were fantastic in August. And some of the shows they do are worth watching. But nowadays, it's just as bad as SportsCenter in every single way that SportsCenter and ESPN are. Just former players that don't study the game anymore going off of reputations and what their name is. And they give you really, really half-assed analysis that I wouldn't even consider analysis at all. And the one that I really made fun of was Reggie Wayne and another former player on on set talking about how the key to the postseason is having home field advantage. You want to be able to sleep in your own bed. You want to play your games at home because you got a better chance to win those games. And I was I was really taken back by the fact that that got airtime on their flagship program. So we don't get great coverage on national platforms anymore. It's just kind of been that way for a while. The market's been diluted and there's not a lot of good substance in those shows anymore that's why you have podcasts like this one and websites like lockdowndolphins.com and of course all the other stuff on the internet that really provides far better in-depth coverage than a show like total access but the one thing they have that we don't have here with this podcast or here on the internet is the total access aspect and having the access to the players and all the stuff that is kind of behind the curtains in the nfl so mika fitzpatrick was on the show today And I actually recorded that first part before I watched the segment. So I just paused it, went and watched the segment. And the person that told me that Minka was going to be on the show is Kyle. He's at K. Tirini. I hope it's how I pronounce your last name. Telling me it was on there. And I gave him a checklist of things that Minka would talk about. And the first one was that he'll do anything he can to help this team win games. Trying to get better every day was point number two. Point number three, no, I did not like the nickname Saban's son. And point number four was Tannehill's looking good and is a good leader. So sure enough, the first question was, where is he playing on the defense? And he said he's going to play strong, free, or nickel anywhere he can play to help the team win games and just do his job. So check that one off. Uh, trying to get better every day. They didn't really get into that. The second question was how he can apply his experience and national championship level of playing at Alabama to the NFL and playing under coach Saban. And he said the programs at Alabama, the program at Alabama was similar to the one they're doing in Miami. So it's an easy transition for him there. So I think pretty much check that point off. And then the next question they asked him was how is Ryan Tannehill looking? He said, he's looking good, running around, making plays, making throws and communicating the offense and being a great leader. So I pretty much checked off every single one of those points. And then at the very end, they asked him, Point blank, Minka, is this a playoff team? He said, yeah, you know it. So good stuff there for Minka Fitzpatrick. He's a fun interview. He's, he's very to the point and, and boring, but at the same time, he's just a he's a really cool kid, and you can tell that he just is a really good guy and puts the work in, a guy that you can really root for. So very excited to see what he does in this defense. And speaking of Minka, he could be the key for this Dolphins revamped defense in 2018. I'll explain that next on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast at Lethal NFL at Lockdown Fins. Rolling on here, talking more about Minka Fitzpatrick, the rookie safety on the Dolphins secondary heading into the 2018 season. And on LockedOnDolphins.com, we now have part four of the Know the Enemy series for the New England Patriots up on there right now. You can check that out as well as the Oakland Raiders, New York Jets, and Tennessee Titans matchups. But the Patriots one came out today on Friday. And one of the things I noticed more than anything else was how much the Patriots used three safeties. And you see a dime defense and you consider, okay, well, maybe they're not going to use it more than 20 to 30% of the time. Well, the Patriots played three safeties significantly in 2017. 
Devin McCourty was out there for 97% of the snaps on defense. Patrick Chung was out there for 87% of the defensive snaps. And Deron Harmon was out there for 68% of the defensive snaps. So you have three guys that are playing starters roles on that defense. And you would say, well, maybe one guy came in for an injury. But no, all three of them have high snap count. So they use these safeties all the time. All three of these guys rank in the top 30 among 80 qualifying safeties in the National Football League. So that's the basis of their defense. And it's just about adapting to the modern game. Obviously, we're all about passing camps, seven on seven, quarterbacks, receivers, all growing on trees these days, it seems. Less and less worry about the trenches and running the football. So what do you do to kind of keep up in that regard? You go out and you find defensive backs and you find guys that can catch the football and you find a quarterback, obviously, has always been the case in the league. But playing more defensive backs in your defense has been the point we talked about all offseason long. And if you're going to copy someone, why not copy the New England Patriots? So you're going with sacrificing size for the ability to be athletic and substitute or not have to substitute between different personnel packages or when the offense is able to rotate guys through on the same personnel grouping, whether they're in the backfield, flexed out wide and tied to the formation. So that was kind of the shift we saw this offseason with the Dolphins was hiring Tony Oden, hiring Ronaldo Hill, hiring Chris Kusarek on the defensive line and going to that wide nine, going to more defensive backs, trying to create pressure with havoc and penetration up front and rely more on your secondary to better cover, play more press, challenge routes, challenge teams like the Patriots. And the Dolphins are one of the teams that ran dime the fewest in 2017. So that should change in 2018. At least all the signs point to that. And we hope that's the change going into the season. And speaking of the defense going into the season, we're going to have Kevin Dern on a podcast sometime next week to get into the finer points of this defense, the wide nine scheme, and what Matt Burke can do because Kevin is the expert of the defense. And this show tends to get geared towards the offensive side of the football a little bit more. That's kind of my background and my study and what I know more about. So Kevin can help us with the defense, and he'll do that sometime next week on the podcast. And talking about Matt Burke and the Patriots defense and how he was able to create a game plan that was the best one that he called all season long in that Week 14 win over the Patriots, preventing the Patriots wide receiver from catching a ball or the offense from converting a third down until the first until the fourth quarter of the game. The way they did that was with press coverage. Don't blitz the Patriots. That's when you're going to get in a lot of trouble from Tom Brady. And you have to create pressure from a variety of areas. If you have one guy win, Tom Brady is just going to simply see it slide over and find a new passing lane. So you have to have two pass rushers winning in order to create pressure on Tom Brady. Talking about this Patriots version in 2018, Sony Michelle just scares the hell out of me. I picked Alvin Kamara to be the rookie of the year last year on offense in the NFL, picking Sony Michelle for the exact same reasons, his impact in the passing game and on the outside runs. But hopefully this newer and updated scheme can help alleviate some of the concerns for getting matchup problems with the Patriots offense. It's going to be up to the Dolphins coaching staff to really be able to correct some of the missteps from last year. I tweeted about this and how Adam Gaze kind of took a mea culpa on the offensive line in regards to not putting a whole lot of resources into that position in 2017. They went into the season with Jermon Bushrod as the unquestioned starter at right guard. Ted Larson was supposed to be the left guard and battling out with Anthony Steen and I suppose Isaac Asiata was thought to be in that group as well as we headed into training camp come to find out that was never really a possibility as he got redshirted but then he kind of got lucky with Jesse Davis stepping forward and becoming the player that he became and earning a starting job in 2018 but you step back and you realize okay Bushrod was a terrible idea Ted Larson even when he's healthy which was half the season was a mediocre player Mike Pouncey was a shell of his former self at center and then the backups you had in there Steen just 
these guys were not capable of playing at this level, at a high level, and it seems like he has kind of adjusted that approach and done more to put more resources and improve that area of the football team to try to create a better running game, a better balance for this offense, and also help with pass protection, obviously, because it's going to be a key in 2018. So you hope that's a good sign of things to come in 2018, and you hope the same steps are taken on the defense in terms of getting out of some of those ways that Kevin Burke and the coaching staff was stuck in their own previous ways and try to adapt and and become more in tune with the modern game, the NFL, and the direction it's going in and continues to go into going forward. All right, guys, we've got more for you guys, including Futility Friday next on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingful NFL at Locked On Fins. We've got one last segment before the weekend time and before I go up to Seattle to watch the Mariners play this weekend at Safeco Field. And of course, we are going to have the return of Futility Friday talking about the futile quarterback position for the Dolphins post-Marino. We had Jay Fiedler last week was featured. And I suppose we're going in a bit of chronological order here because the contestant for today's game is none other than Ray Lucas, Mr. Spray Mucus himself. And I didn't actually know this about the guy, but he has spent his entire career in the AFC East. He started off in New England in 1996, goes to the Jets in 97 after one year with the Patriots for four seasons with the Jets, and then he finished his career with two years in Miami. And today, specifically, we're talking about the 2002 season when he came into duty to play for Jay Fiedler, started six games, and went two and four in that stretch. For my money, that was the best Dolphins team I have ever seen in my lifetime as they were stacked on defense. Ricky Williams led the league in rushing that year. But Ray Lucas came in and got blown up by a Buffalo Bills team in his first start. Goes 13 for 30, completing less than 40% of his passes. Averaged just five yards per pass through the air. Turned it over four times with four picks. Had a sack and lost the football and a fumble on that one as well. Game number two comes back after his 26.3 passer rating against the Green Bay Packers. Dolphins get beat by 14 after losing by 13 to the Bills. Ray Lucas posts a 48.9 passer rating. And then he goes to the Jets against his former team and plays pretty well, has a 104.3 passer rating. Dolphins still lose. The fifth game he plays that year against the Ravens, the Dolphins win that one. 26-7 despite Ray Lucas playing pretty well once again, 95 passer rating. And then the next game against the Chargers, another victory, plays another close-to-the-vest type of game, probably leading on Ricky Williams a bit there, has a 102 passer rating as the Dolphins win. And then the next game comes back with a 93 passer rating against the Bills again and loses once again to an inferior Buffalo Bills team. Ends the season with a 69.9 passer rating. He had six interceptions compared to just four touchdown passes, completed less than 60% of his balls at 57.5%. An absolute travesty playing quarterback that year. And in my opinion, costing the Dolphins a chance at a first round bye, division title, all the stuff that I thought would have happened that year if Ray Lucas didn't come in for Jay Fiedler, who was playing, in my opinion, the best ball of his career before the injury in that Denver game. So Ray Lucas, Futility Friday, you are up today, man. It is your day, your day to shine. And quite honestly, probably the last time we'll ever talk about Ray Lucas here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. All right, guys. So last night we had softball again, of course, playing two of the better teams in the league. And we split despite the fact that we definitely should have won both games. We had four errors in the first couple innings in the outfield from one guy in particular, Dylan. If you're listening to this podcast, you got to get your shit together, man, and catch those routine fly balls. Cost us the game, but we are now sitting at seven and, th- or no, excuse me, eight and three, I think it is. I don't know. I lost track of our record. We're into the second half of the season playing well. 
and your boy continued to hit pretty well getting on base. I think it was six out of nine times. I'm not quite sure, but I know I was on base all night. So definitely helping the club out, helping the team win, getting better each and every day, Ryan Tannehill style. So also for the weekend, me and the missus are heading up to Seattle for a game or a weekend at Safeco Field. The Mariners are off of a four-game winning streak, heading back home, 20 games over 500, on pace for 100 wins, and hopefully I get to watch them destroy the Kansas City Royals in back-to-back nights. And I ask that you don't hate me for the troll job I'm about to do on you guys to close out the podcast as that will do it for the Friday edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. You guys be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins and follow our flagship show at Locked On NFL, both on Twitter and Facebook. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com, the number one blog in the Locked On Network. We'll see you guys on Monday for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Now enjoy some Rebecca Black, you motherfuckers. I'm sorry, guys. It's over.